any budget's not working. Okay, but I just want you to ask you, if I was going to talk about being on a mission from God, what film might I be using a YouTube clip from? The Blues Brothers. I don't know if any of you have seen it. Um, I'm not necessarily recommending that you do. But what was interesting was I found on YouTube a little compilation at a church called the Sequoia Church. I don't know where it is. could be anywhere. had done. And what was interesting about it was throughout this film where you have a couple of reprobates, frankly, trying to put on a, mo- um, a show to raise some money for a, an orphanage, effectively, they're very clear throughout. They're always saying, we're on a mission from God. They're wearing sort of shades and hats and stuff like that. Not your kind of usual missionaries by any means. And, of course, it's a joke in many respects, but they are driven by it. And actually, perhaps they even believe it. There is a kind of divine revelation part where, you know, whatever they might think about it, they are driven. They are going to do this thing. And they keep repeating, which is interesting, this little compilation clip that I found, they keep saying, we're on a mission from God. This is why we're doing it. We're on a mission from God. And the reason I, well, partly because I know the movie, but when I was looking at the subject... It immediately thought that. And then I thought, well, actually, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? The whole idea of thinking that we are on a mission from God. It's normally a phrase that we might only use in kind of comedy contexts, or we might only expect really serious people to use. You know what I mean? People who've got a real vocation. They are on a mission from God. Us? Yeah. You know, maybe. Maybe not. And it occurred to me, and I always like to think, as I'm normally... Well, I am challenged, as those of you who know me, just at the general level I'm challenged. Um, But it challenged me to think whether I think I am on a mission from God, in any sort of way at all. Am I sent in any... Do I feel sent? And I suppose another way of thinking about whether I feel I've been sent anywhere by God is, am I where God wants me to be? In other words, if I have been, have I kind of arrived... Maybe that I'm still on a journey, but I, do I, in my life, on a day-to-day basis, do I have any sense of, actually, this is where God wants me to be? Or I just kind of am where I am. And I think that's a question that's worthwhile all of us asking ourselves, for reasons I'll come to. You might, for example, just at a general level, have you been sent to Ealing, right, right where you are here? Have you been sent here? I know there's a couple I met this morning. They've been called here, I think, to look after Andrew Diamond in his, in his, in his, in his situation at the moment you just heard about. That can, the phone call went in, can you come and help? Maybe that sometimes happens to you. But that's the same kind of thing. Have we received a call? Are we here? I was speaking to a lady called Nancy, who was on our team yesterday doing the noise. Never met her before, just chatting. And, you know, Why are you here? God called me. She's American. She works for United Airlines. She was working in America and just felt that God called her to come and work here in London. Didn't get into the why of that, and I'll come on to that in a moment as well, but just being called, so I came. Now, sometimes, and I confess myself when I was speaking to Nancy about this, well, blimey, don't really know that I recognize that. I would, I, no, I, in fact, I don't. That's not how I feel about where I am or where I have gone anywhere, but perhaps actually it's just that's how it works for Nancy, but for each of us it might work in a different way. That sense of, I know God called me. There was a moment I was in a prayer meeting and. Or perhaps it's more to do with who you are, your character, the things that God has done with you in the past. You know, so do you feel called here? Do you feel called to the groups you're in, to the work that you're doing, to the allotment that you own, 
to the shops. I don't know, have you ever been sent? Do you feel sent in any way like that? Or don't you know? You just don't know. You never really thought about it. You're just doing what you do. Because you do, and you're happy enough with that. Perhaps you're not, but perhaps you're happy enough with that. And that idea of a, perhaps a greater purpose for it isn't there. Would you like to feel sent? Do you think that would be helpful if whatever it is that you do, perhaps especially if you're having trouble in any of the situations you're in, perhaps the street you're in, the neighbours you've got, the work you're in, that you're enjoying, the colleagues, I don't know. If you're thinking about change, is it just something you're going to do for yourself? Or would you like to feel that God has got a purpose and would like you to go in a particular direction? Or do you just box out that whole idea of being sent and having that mission for a very small number of people with an obvious vocation? You know, Mark, sent here. Well, let's hope so. Um, you know, that kind of thing. He's been here 20 years. so that, you know. and I think the evidence is you know, pretty strong that actually it was God's mission for him and for Lindsay. But is that just for people like that? So, that's what I'm talking about today. That whole idea about whether we've been sent, how we understand that, whether we should, whether we can just move on. I have a text, you'd be glad to know, and obviously this is where David comes in. But before David does read us, just, I want to hear from you some biblical characters, because we're going to hear about one of them in a moment. Some biblical characters that you can say, oh yeah, they were sent by God. Yeah, I know the story. They had a clear call and they went. God sent them. Who would you say? Let's just have some names. Shout them out because I'm... David? Jonah? Joseph? Abraham? Paul? Yeah. Again, there's a danger, isn't there? Big guys, right? And actually, Jonathan is half right. Because, of course, Abraham wasn't called or sent... When he was called or sent, he was just Abraham. He got that uh aha later on. But yeah. And we're not going to talk about that today, but we are going to talk about Abraham. David, do you want to read us your passage? Thank you. So the reading um, is from Genesis chapter 12. And as you've gathered, it's about Abraham or Abraham. Uh, Chapter 12, the first nine verses. Chapter 12, verse, the first nine verses. The Lord set, had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham travelled through the land as far as Shechem, there he set up camp beside the Oak of Moray. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country 
with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. Then Abraham continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Thank you very much, David. So that was Abraham being sent by God. He was up in a place called Haran and was told to go. And he went. It might be helpful to get a little bit more context. Do we have a slide, Jane? Of the map, let's give it a go. Let's see if we have anything here. Otherwise, I'm going to do a, a map in sort of a dance, you could almost call it. No? That's all right. What I'm going to do, leave it then, Jane, thank you very much. What I'm going to do is just go back a couple of verses because Abraham went from somewhere. It was a place called Haran, but he just wasn't exactly where he started. His father started the journey just a few verses back and about a thousand miles away. Um, I'll just go back there. In Genesis 11, just a few verses that lead up to what David's just read. Terah became the father of Abraham, sorry, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. Abraham and Nahor both married, and the name of Abraham's wife was Sarai. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of Abraham, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. So, the journey that David just read to us about was Abraham going from Haran to the land of Canaan and moving through it. But it started a long time earlier, a considerable while earlier, when the whole family, his dad, Terah, took the family and started off from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, we haven't got a map, so what I'm going to do is stand over here. Okay? And where I am standing is just north of the Persian Gulf. All right? And north is up there and west is over there. So I'm sort of towards the east. If those of you remember your geography, there's a thing called the Fertile Crescent, which goes up from where I am through the Tigris and Euphrates, sort of through modern Iraq, down through Syria, down through uh, modern-day Israel, the Jordan Valley, and swings round into the Nile Delta. Big old curve that goes over that way. I'm at one end of that. That's where they started. That's roughly where Ur of the Chaldeans was, a little bit south of Baghdad these days. And what had happened was, a long time earlier, the family had set off this way in a big curving arc alongside the Tigris and the Euphrates. And for whatever reason, we don't really know, Terah and his family stuck about here in this place called Haran, which is just in southern Turkey, a bit of Turkey that those of you who started going on Turkish holidays probably haven't been to. It's in kind of in the middle of nowhere. I dare say it's a place at the moment that is awash with Syrian refugees because it's just near the border. And Aleppo is about here. But they stuck here for a while. About a thousand miles this journey took. Now, they could have gone direct, of course, but they would never have made it because that's a massive desert. So they were on a journey already, and we don't really know why Terra had taken the family that he just set off. And they'd stayed here for a while. And so Abram was here, 75 years old, about 2085 BC. And that's where God said to him, go this way. Now remember, if you remember from the words I've just said there, it was always Terah's intention to end up in Canaan, basically modern Israel, Palestine, that area down there, but he stopped for whatever reason. So it's at this point that the reading that David read for us kicks in, and Abraham sends off this way. God says, go, 
and Abraham goes. So he goes the rest of the journey down, sort of through modern Syria, past Lebanon. We don't know exactly where he went, and he ends up in these places. Starts at a place called Shechem, which is modern-day Nablus, which I have a strong affinity for because I used to work there. Fascinating part of the world. It's on the west bank of the occupied territories at the moment. Then he ended up at a place called Bethel, between Bethel and Ai, not far from Jerusalem. Then he went on again uh, to a place, the, the Oaks of Morah, which is more or less where Hebron is. And then he went down into the Negev Desert. And then he got dry there, and he went on to Egypt, and then came back again. So that's the journey that he went on. Quite a long one, and he ended up coming back and sort of seeming to settle somewhere near modern-day Hebron. So, what I find fascinating about that story is obviously big, I'm sure there was nomadic tribes all the time and they moved places but then Abraham at a particular point God said go and he went so we know where because it's reasonably explicit in the reading that David said he went from here to there to there to there, to there. but do you know why Abraham went recall now quickly thumb through it quickly look at those verses you've got your bible open if you're not this is why you should have we know where? Do we know why Abraham was sent? All right. You haven't read it. You haven't got it open in front of you. Do you know why Abraham was sent? Ever consider the question? It's a huge thing. Abraham is the, essentially a reference point for the three, all three main monotheistic religions. He's just the guy, in human terms, so to speak. Why did he go? It started everything. No, no, I don't know either. All right, it's not at all clear. It's not at all clear. There is no purpose statement given. God said to Abraham, go, and he went. Now, there's motivation, because if you read verses 2 and 3 from Genesis 12, God says, go, and I will bless you, and I will bless others through you. So there's quite a strong motivation. There still isn't a purpose, though. There's no go for this reason, other than go because I say, and I'll bless you. So there's motivation, but not purpose. And I think that's something that we also can often struggle with. Perhaps if we feel that sense of a calling or ascending, why exactly? And perhaps we ask why too soon. And don't just think, well, if that's God saying it, you know, that might be good enough for me. But let's just pause for a slight moment, if I might, because if, again, you're like me, you'd be thinking, John, that's all detail. That whole idea of where Abraham went and so forth. What what about God said and Abraham went? Well, what did that mean? How did God say? How did Abraham hear? How am I going to hear God? You know, it's all very well being sent, but unless I've heard of being sent, how can I get sent? Because I haven't heard. And how does that work out? I have no idea. I don't know how Abraham heard. It's written as though it were just, you know, the voice of God. God said, and there are quote marks around it. Really? It was, was Abraham, you know, walking around and he heard this clear voice? Was it in a dream? Was it... How do you hear stuff? How are you familiar with hearing stuff? Not at all? Do you just kind of, well, this seems vaguely right. I read the scriptures and, and I... You know, is, that's not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned if we're guiding our lives by what we read and what we think, what we've understood about the character of God and about his love for us and you know, maybe it can be just a much more gentle steer I don't know, 
I would say I'm much more of the latter. Much more of the latter. I just think, well, okay, that seems kind of reasonable. But on the other hand, I'm quite a placid person. I don't, I don't terribly ambitious or striving, so I'm not necessarily looking at what that next thing. And perhaps that's the issue for us is, however we hear, that, that issue of hearing, and, and it's, it's another, to be honest, it's another sermon in many respects. It's probably another series. But what I would say is that if we don't ask, we won't hear. If we're not thinking about listening for God, it's much less likely that we'll hear him say something. He may be trying to give us direction. He may have a ascending for us. Now, perhaps one of the things we, don't, we do is we disengage from that because actually we don't really want to be told to go somewhere else. We're quite happy, actually. Or just the whole idea of going somewhere different or having to uproot perhaps from a, a pattern of life, a group of friends, a physical location, or just a kind of a mode of life. It's something we don't really want to be challenged about. But insofar as we are troubled by that idea of hearing God's call to go somewhere, I suppose all I can say is that actually if we are listening for that and actively seeking that call, listening out, asking God questions like that, then we are much more likely to hear an answer, however that works for you. And I'll just flag up the fact that we're going to be doing a little bit of that when I'm done talking. So get ready for that because I think it's a good thing to do. I think it would be good if we were clearer. I think it would be good if we weren't in a situation where we were just thinking that you know that sending thing that hearing from God and doing that is just for certain people the rest of us we're, we're not like that really you know me I'll, I'll just get by if that's alright it's not that it has to be terribly dramatic but it, I suppose the whole issue is are we going to align our lives with God's plan for them that would seem to me to be a good idea and I suppose this is it is that for me, I, I, I ask why questions all the time. I'll come on with that little moment. Oh, I do, that's just how I'm wired. I want to know. But I want to move on from that idea of how do you listen to the simple fact of understanding from the lesson we've had today. This business about being sent by God, hearing God's call, and going somewhere. Because it seems to me that while there are questions about how do you hear that, okay, there are definitely issues about levels of certainty we might have that God is saying, go here. So Nancy, I was speaking to yesterday. Well, how did she check that? How certain was she? How did, or did she just think, I think that God's calling, I'm going to do that. There are levels of certainty, and perhaps there's something we would also want to why about, which is a, that why, the purpose. Am I really hearing from God, and do I understand why he's telling me something? But I think the lesson, one of the key lessons from today's reading is just a simple one of obedience if you hear the call go if it's God's call that'll be good enough just while I'm doing this I'm a little question here actually it was mentioned before but I'm not going to tell you who was mentioned give me a character who clearly heard God's call so let's, we've got over that about whether it was God's call or not and yet still didn't do what God was calling to do quite clearly did not Peter, interesting. But I'm going with Jonah, okay, from Belinda here, who said it earlier. And I suppose that's an interesting challenge for us, which is, so let's get beyond that, how do we hear, which is, you know, it's out there. But actually, even when we do, what are we going to do about it? Jonah clearly understood, actually interesting, Jonah clearly understood that there was a call. He also clearly understood its purpose. He had no why questions to ask. Very clear, as as the story is written. He still didn't go. And I think that's a a, a real challenge for us. 
I don't think we're many, anybody or many people would be like that. If you knew that God was calling you, just say, ah, I'm not having that. But I was struck. I'm reading Job at the moment, and there was a passage that just jumped out at me. Sorry, one verse that jumped out at me this week, partly because I'm thinking about these topics anyway. And it was just when Job, in one of his passages, was talking about people who say to God, go away. We want no part of you and your ways. That people would be people who would just say, actually, God... No, I don't care what you're saying. I don't want to do what you want to do. Now, I don't think there's anybody here. I don't think you'd be here if you felt that. But I suppose that's at one end of the, I hear what you're saying and I ain't going to do it. And then we might have your people who have got a clear calling, like Nancy yesterday, like Mark, like others with vocations. I hear and I'm going to do it. There is a danger, and I'm right here myself, of us kind of missing out on what God has in plan because we're just slightly detached from it all. You know, that's all right. Life's okay. You know the call? Maybe. But I ain't really asking. Not really listening. Am I missing out? And I suspect that many of us could be. I suspect that many of us could be. Because, I suppose, boiling it down, I think the lesson, the primary lesson from today's message is in terms of this being sent is that when you're sent by God, there'll be blessing. Blessing for you and blessing for others because of you. You just think about the noise yesterday. That was ascending. Let's go out from here to help some people. It was interesting last night talking about that with a number of people at the barbecue afterwards and how it had been and this, that and the other. And quite a lot of people asking all sorts of why questions about it as well, which is, golly, that was a mess, that place. And we did a great job. And I wonder what it'll be like in a year. Or some people saying, that was great. And we went out and we did this. And they didn't seem very grateful. You know, some good stories that Mark was saying, but actually that's the other side of it as well, isn't it? And you think, well, why? Why? Because we're called to do that. Because we're called to do that. God says, you know, bless people. And who's to say, you know, that they don't feel, they didn't look blessed enough when we were there at five yesterday. What's the point of all that? You know, we just do it because God says. I love that. It's real freedom. There is real freedom in obeying God because God says. There are why questions. And I suppose all I would say about the why questions is if you hear God, first of all, I suppose what I'm saying, let's seek God's call. Let's ask him if he wants to send us somewhere different. Okay? Then let's do it. If we have why questions, let's ask them on the way. Okay? Don't ask them before you go. If you think it's from God, ask them on the way. And I think there's something in that I'm... Because there's blessing in it, I suppose. That's what I'm saying, you know. And also, I suppose there's a slight concern we have. The why question might not be one for God, really, but one for us, which is, can I? Will I? Have I heard right? Am I... Take a punt. Take a punt. The great thing about it, I think, and you look at these people like Jonah who did not, you heard but didn't go, is if we hear, we think we hear, we ask and we think we hear about something, as I say, change of direction ascending in a, in a different way and we go for it suppose we get it wrong okay and we're acting in faith and we're asking God to be with us but we frankly got it wrong we didn't hear right we heard differently do you not think God's good to make up for our mistake and our error he wants a willing heart far more than he wants somebody who's got it nailed and knows I think so take a punt ask a question if you hear something have a go have a go. That might be challenging because of what he's asking you to do. And of course, the bigger the thing might be, the greater the change worthwhile trying to 
I mean, for example, if I said to Ruth, my wife, and I said, you know, I had a vague suspicion today in a moment at church that we should actually, oh, well, let's just, let's go to Wales. You know, that's quite a change, John. No, no, I sort of felt, but let's, let's, John said, take a go. Oh, that was me. Uh, have a punt. We'll go. There are obviously degrees of certainty you might want, but don't wait till it's 100%. If you feel it's God, why wouldn't you take a go? He can make up for it if you make a mistake. He'd much rather have that than the other way. Blessing will follow. Blessing will follow. And at this point, I suppose, I would just want us to, to step into that area where some of you might be thinking, yeah, but John, this is a story about Abraham. You have already said, John, that Abraham is like the man. Okay, so it's kind of different. You know, Mark's the closest we've got here. Or maybe Nancy. I'm glad Nancy's not here. Um, but that, 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 it's, you know, these, this is Abraham. What can this say for us? I don't know. I'm, I think what it can say for us is listen, ask the question, hear however that works for you, and do it. If you've got why questions, ask on the way. And it's because of the blessing. I think what I'm reading here reminds me so much of one of my all-time favorite verses of all time, which is John 10.10. You know, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness, says Jesus. And that's just that kind of, do we trust him? That's why God, that's why Abraham went, that's why we would go. It might seem like a challenge, it might seem a bit different, a bit whoa, but if God says, that's where the blessing is, that's the best place for us to be. And I suppose we might think about, yeah, well, Abraham had a big 750-mile journey. We're not talking about that most of the time for most of us. We're talking about change of job. Something we should be doing in our community that we're just not. Because it takes a bit of time, actually. Something we might be thinking of. Something we haven't thought of, but actually we could be thinking of if we gave God the time to talk to us in that way. You know, because of the blessing. If God wants you to go somewhere... And so this comes back to my question about the asking and so forth. If we don't know, if we're a little bit like I am, which is like, oh, that seems all right. Let's be checking. Over the years, I've really brought this into my understanding of my work and the things I do, like the lounge, which is the group I'm part of here, which is actually called a missional community, a kind of going out. We occasionally meet in people's houses, but we meet in pubs. We get out there, and there are people who are part of that group who don't do church in this conventional way, and that's why we're out there. That's a very small thing, but that, that feeling of being sent sounds like a bit of jargon, a missional community, but that's this idea. We're on a mission, we're going out, we've been sent there. If you want to talk about the lounge at all, I should have notes that Jeremy and Susie are here at the back. Wave your hands, Jeremy and Susie, there we go. They'd love to talk about the lounge if you want to talk about that, and that's just a, a side thing. But that little thing, in the work that I do, I've become much clearer that that is where God has sent me almost retrospectively thinking back over the things that he's done and I brought that and it really gives dignity and value to all that I do and purpose and commitment so I think it's good for us to want to know that because when we are sure that's great and if we're not sure then let's try and find a place where we are and let the blessing flow and if you're worried about the about the why questions just take a lesson from Abraham Right? If you're worried about that. So here's the father of faith, the man of faith, the, the starter of it all. Okay? 
What I love about it is we're familiar with a passage. Um, it's actually from Genesis 15, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it. Genesis 15, 5 and 6, we're very familiar with this. This is, one of the, this is it for Abraham. This is his great description. God took Abraham outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, and God said to Abraham, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to Abraham as righteousness. Right there, two verses. Abraham, the man of faith. God says, although you have no children and your wife is barren, look at this. This is how your children are going to be. Abraham believed it, and he was, it was credited to him as righteousness, the man of faith. This is 5 and 6. Let me just go back to verse 1 of Genesis 15. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Oh, there's a little bit more about how maybe Abraham heard God, some kind of vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. Verse 2. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? You give me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then after the famous verses 5 and 6, the man of faith, credited to him as righteousness, God says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and to take possession of it. Verse 8, but Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of this land? So there's the man of faith asked a massive why question up front of this famous passage and straight after it as well. It's not like he was perfect or he was sorted or he, he just did what God said, you know, never asked why. He's asking why all the time. He's very human. He's just like us in many respects. So, I suppose the answer really is, or the question I really have at the end of all this is, do you want to be, it's as simple as this, do you want to be or want to go where God will bless you best and others through you? Do you want to be sent where that will happen? Bishop Graham last Sunday, if you weren't here, was talking about the power and the reality of blessing. We're a little too used to saying, bless you when somebody sneezes, or bless you when we think we want to say something quite sympathetic when we really don't know what to say. Okay, there's power in blessing. There is obvious power in God's blessing. Do we want to receive it and to give it out? If we want to do that best, we're best off being where God plans that we will do that. He's got a place for all of us. And it will change from time to time, I'm sure, where he can bless us most so that we can bless others. Do you feel sent? Don't answer, but do you? Ask ask yourself that question. Or do you want confirmation that you have been sent to where you are? Or are you thinking about, you know, there is something more, something different that's been on my mind? Do you just want to hear God's call? Are you not sure how that works for you? Would you love to feel clearer about whether you're sent to where you are or whether you might be going somewhere else do you perhaps think you ought to want to be sent more than you do because you're quite happy actually don't really want to ask the question could be a little awkward are you scared perhaps of being sent anywhere other than where you are because it's great right now it's great right now and I don't know about you I'm often, cons- you compare the, the activity of faith in places like, as, as, as um, uh, Shona was saying earlier, how great it is to have freedom. But do we sort of abuse that freedom because we, we can get comfortable in places where Christians are extremely uncomfortable? 
much closer. We need to know, God, where you are in our lives right now. We need to know because we may die tomorrow. We don't kind of need to know in that sort of way. And I feel that a lot. Just, no, it's okay. Less urgency than perhaps we would do well to have. And the urgency should come not from the fact we might die tomorrow because we want to be blessed and to bless. So, there's a, the little film clip that I had been going to use ends up with a bit where one blues brother said to the other, he says at the end of it all, just a, just a little montage, one of them says, and it's not a biblical quote, it's actually from a hymn, William H. Cowper, but it's, the Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs>